Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, my guest is Jerry Sterling. Now, we all have our own paths to cycling and the bikepacking community, and I believe each one is special and unique. However, Jerry's introduction to bikepacking was much different than any I had heard before. Her story is tragic, sad, romantic, inspiring, and real. And it all started when she fell in love with a cyclist named Kyle. When she met Kyle, she wasn't a cyclist. When she married Kyle, she wasn't a cyclist. And when Kyle passed away, she wasn't a cyclist. So what led her to take on the Tour Divide only seven months after laying her late husband to rest? The answer to that question can only be told in Jerry's words, and they are powerful and they are inspiring. I hope that listeners will be able to internalize at least part of her story. And if you do, I challenge you that the next time you face something really hard, that you face it right back and you don't back down. And I bet what you find is there's a little badass inside of you looking right back at you, ready to get to work. All right, well, before we get to today's episode with Jerry, let's take a moment to thank the people that made today's episode possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. I'd like to first start off by thanking Tatiana Ragowski. Uh, she had submitted some questions for uh, the Haley Moore interview, and uh, now she's signing up as a patron. So thank you, Tatiana. We also like to welcome Scott Walker, Kyle Van Pelt, Morgan Bogdansky, Allison Kirizales, and Drew Carlson. I appreciate you all for signing up so much and supporting the show. Uh, in fact, you are going to get to claim instant benefits from your membership because today's episode is being released in two formats. One is going out to the general public, and there is a patron-only version of this podcast that features about 10 to 15 minutes of bonus content. Uh, we went on a couple tangents here and there, and I wanted to keep this episode as much about Jerrica and her story but there was also some good stuff that we cut out, and I thought the patrons might be interested in checking that out. So, again, thank you for all the support. And if you would like to also step up to be a sustaining member of the Bikes for Death podcast and support these episodes, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Today's episode is also brought to us by Quadlock. You know, bikepacking is not a new concept. People have been adventuring on bikes since they were invented, but the term bikepacking and the amount of people doing it has never been more popular than now. So what do you need to get started? How do you keep things light, but still have enough luxuries to survive the trip? With Quadlock Bike Kit, your smartphone becomes your map, your form of communication in emergencies, and sometimes your sanity. Light but secure, you can easily mount your smartphone to your handlebar or stem to view maps on the go or keep in touch on a long journey. 
So depending on your bike's handlebar setup, you can choose from their stem mount or one of their two out front mounts. The quad lock case itself is made from impact absorbing TPU outer shell and a tough polycarbonate core and is compatible with the entire range of mounts made for active lifestyles. Quadlock is the lightest, strongest, and most secure smartphone mount available thanks to their patented Quadlock dual locking system. The Quadlock bike kit is safe, secure, and easy way for cyclists to mount their devices onto their bike. The bike kit is extremely easy to use. Simply twist, lock, and go. To learn more, head over to quadlockcase.net. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for tuning in today and checking out this incredible episode with Jerry Sterling. I'd like to give a shout out to my friend Maxwell Johnson. He's the person that uh, put her on my radar. He went to go uh, take pictures of a clunker race that she was hosting at Spider Mountain in Texas. And after the event, he called me and was like, dude, I think you need to interview her. She's got a really uh, incredible story. And... Um, Indeed, she does. And thank you, Maxwell, for making the con connection. And without further ado, let's have Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes for Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Do you listen to audiobooks too or just podcasts? Um, I kind of go through seasons. It's like sometimes audiobooks, sometimes. Um, I'm kind of in a podcast phase right now. Honestly, I go through phases in the genre of podcasts too. I went through a crime podcast phase. Those are good, but sometimes I I found it was like giving me anxiety and I kind of had to take a step back. Oh. <laughs> One podcast I really like is called Terrible Things for Asking, which also sounds kind of like it would give you anxiety, but it doesn't. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of it. I but haven't heard of it. It's, yeah, it's, it sounds it, like it's that's lovely a great title. in a <laughs> kind of sad way. But I think what I like about it is that it's relatable, which honestly is why I like your podcast. I think the reason I like it is because I've gone through trauma. The whole premise behind it is that like people always are quick to just say I'm fine. You know, you ask somebody like, "How are you doing today?" I'm fine. But really, like most people have more layers to that. And like usually fine isn't even like remotely how they're feeling, right? <laughs> like, um, so it kind of dives into like how people are truly feeling, just kind of like what's going on with them. But it's not like you finish listening to it and it's not like they sugarcoat anything or or put a silver lining on every on anything, but you feel okay. And I think it's just because it's relatable and it makes you feel like, like what you're going through, like other people are experiencing. Yeah. Sort of. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's why I love podcasting and the nuance of people because like growing up in a very structured and strict religion where I wasn't exposed to like anything mm -hmm. and I got out and I started like expanding my mind and talking to people and I'm like, Oh wait, other people feel like this too. And I'm like, Oh, other people like, you know, think about these things in their head when they're driving down the car. And it, yeah, just like 
we like i guess we we just like to connect with people we like community we like to know we belong somewhere and and that's i mean i hope by episode one i think you're 115 you know it's it's obvious that you know my goal is to like showcase what just anybody can do i guess like that's the thing though make it relatable to people it's not just like that's why i don't talk about like the gear and what what the fucking sickest bike and all this i mean you know a lot of it is about the person and when you can connect to that person you can connect to their experience you know and that actually i've never said on a podcast before but i like i'm glad i said that because that (laughs) is like um i mean that is like the goal and that is why i don't talk about gear because anybody can go buy gear and there's great resources for that and i don't need to be that but i want to be the guy that connects people yeah i'm glad that you said that for the first time right now because (laughs) like driving here i'm thinking i have no clue like what you're gonna ask me or what we're gonna talk about i, I don't mean, either I, have, okay. <laughs> I mean i have like a rough idea of like what we're, what we're gonna kind of cover but specific questions and i've learned that from listening to your podcast that you you don't harp on gear and whatever upgrades to your bike and what are you what is what exactly are you riding you know it's not about that and i think that's what i really love and before we had even arranged to do this interview someone else was doing a quick interview with me at at a a recent race and they didn't ask me anything about gear stuff. And I thanked them so much for that. Like, I didn't realize how special that was like connecting about like the spirit of riding and the community that rides like that is, that's what makes it so wonderful. Right. Like, Anyways, so I'm I'm glad that you had that little moment, that yeah, epiphany that that's something you offer. I, well, I've all I know it, but yeah, I think that was the best way I've ever articulated. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, like I was like, oh yeah, that's like that's exactly it. I feel yeah. like I've fumbled around it before, but I was like, oh, I nailed it. That you time. did nail it. You have to re-listen and write it down. I I will. Ben, make a note <laughs> to clip that one out and save it for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got into some stuff there, uh, but let's. I let let's get to know you a little bit. Okay. Just I I'm I am curious though. Uh, are you a native Texan? No. Okay. And so tell me about how and why you're in Texas, and also tell me um, what what you do for a living. I know. I think you say you're self-employed or yeah. Something. I'm a graphic designer. Oh, okay. Self-employed. We'll come yeah. back to that. Okay. So you want to start with where I'm from? Yeah. Where Where are you from, and how'd you get <laughs> okay. here? Okay. I'm from Florida. Uh, Melbourne, Florida. And I kind of roundabout got to Texas. So I, I went to school in Atlanta. Well, first I went to school in Tallahassee, then Atlanta. In between that, I got married. My husband was military, got stationed in Germany. So we moved to Germany. Uh, he got sick while we were in Germany. We moved to Texas because MD Anderson is in Houston. Okay. And with him being military, the military had to put us where there's a, a base, an Air Force base. So they stationed us in San Antonio because it was the closest base to Houston. So that's why I'm in Texas. Well, it is relevant to our yeah. story. Yeah. And we've had the laughing portion of the episode and now it's time for the crying portion. <laughs> okay. We can laugh again too, though. It's okay. I, I, I think we will. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, but yeah. I do. Um, I mean, obviously, for people who don't know you, 
your husband and your marriage and his death has been and continues to be a very big and important part of your life and your yeah. story. Mm -hmm. So tell me about Kyle. Tell me anything you want to and take as much time as you want. Whoa. People don't typically ask that. That's cool. Thank you for asking me that. I'm You're like, welcome. Um, okay. Yeah, take your time. I mean. <laughs> that was really cool. Okay. I'm ready. Kyle was a very, very passionate person. I think that that would be one of his most defining traits. It showed up in really beautiful, positive ways and also in just like really intense, intense ways. Just overall, he was intense and passionate and it was... When he was interested in something, he completely absorbed himself in it, completely got to know everything about it, wanted to talk all about it, just obs would obsess over things. Bikes being one of them. His brain could figure anything out, though. Definitely the smartest person I've ever met. Loves a puzzle. Yeah. Loves a challenge. Yeah. Completely. Um, definitely challenged me in a really good way. Like, I always wanted to be better and cooler and more capable, basically a better version of myself, uh, just because he was so amazing in, in so many different ways. Um, he was like super, I don't know, the sounds has like a negative connotation sometimes when people say it, but he was like an alpha male in a lot of ways. And I think some people roll their eyes at that. What? <laughs> oh no. I mean, I guess I was thinking, um, I just said on, uh, I don't know if you listened to the Sofian episode. Yeah, yeah. So that story that I told at the beginning about my redneck friend. Yeah. And like these judgments and stereotypes. And I mean, I'm really against them. I don't, I hate stereotypes, like all of them, I okay. think, you know, yeah. just in general as a rule, because yeah, we're all so nuanced and we're all our yeah. own people and all of these crazy experiences shape us anyway. Yeah, no. But I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't come up with like a negative commentary. Okay, in my mind. I appreciate that because I don't mean it. It was like something I loved about him, you know? Yeah. Um, but he, he was like such an alpha male in some ways, like any physical challenge he can take on, no problem, like so strong and capable, but also so creative and so, I don't know, just like appreciated very stereotypically feminine things and, was really supportive in me being a strong woman. And it was just, he had so many different, he wasn't a stereotype, I guess. Like that was what I loved about him was like, you couldn't just categorize him as anything. I love that. I love it. I like, I'm attracted to interesting people. Yeah. Like people who like are almost a puzzle in themselves. Like, wait, you don't make all, you know, you don't make sense. Totally. You're more than I thought you were, or, you know? Yeah. There's like layers. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, those, those are, I think those are my favorite things. How, uh, like, how did cycling play a role in y'all's relationship? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> 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 so I despised bicycles and he loved them. And it's just so funny sitting here now because I love, now I love bicycles, right? But early on, he, when we were in college, um, we met in college we started living together and he became obsessed with riding and he started collecting old bike parts and frames and we had a tiny one bedroom apartment and they 
filled up our whole entire apartment and I resented them. And I was just like, how is this bike that much different from that bike? I don't, they all. You were that person I, I was that in person. that relationship now, that we see memes about. <laughs> yes. And now I think I have 13 bikes in my garage. Ooh, like, <laughs> damn. I know. I always joke like. Man, I'm, when that cycling bug gets you, it gets you. It does. And I, it's so funny because I always say I'm the wife that he always wanted. Like, finally. Um, <laughs> uh, you got to appreciate the humor. I know. It's so true. Or that, irony. Or... Yeah, it, it's so true. Like, so many of his T-shirts have bikes on them. Like, And I just, like, kind of didn't get it. And I was, I think I sort of resented them because... Like I said, they just took over our whole apartment and all yeah. of our all of his money. He was money obsessed with them. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, we get we get that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, definitely now, on his side. I know. I know. You came around. Now I'm on his side too, yeah. but at the time, no. But anyways, we super not into it. Like he had built me this eighty something Schwinn rigid bike. Like didn't fit me. Just like. Frankensteined it together. Like a clunker or it like, wasn't like technically a clunker, okay, but it, it was, was more like, like a, a street, like a, a like for right on the roads. Yeah, but he put like the as knobby of tires as he could on them and then tried to take me on a mountain bike ride. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most miserable thing I've ever done in my entire life. Okay, I do have to offer a critique for Kyle here because <laughs> if you're trying to introduce something to someone yeah. new like make it easy on him know. you know like don't put him on the worst bike possible <laughs> I think so he, he might have had a little to do with that but he was also new to it as well and like learning but he was loving it and I as he was learning about it and I was like I'm just following your lead and I don't even want to be getting into this right now and this is uncomfortable but anyways so then just because I'm stubborn, he like signed up for a 100 mile bike, like fundraiser ride. And I was like, well, I want to do it. And so we bought a tandem and did it on that. And then the whole time everyone was saying that I wasn't doing anything and he was just pulling me oh. on the tandem, <laughs> <Fuck> <laughs> which that. really is a way to piss me off. But yeah, uh, <laughs> so that was like, that, one, me off that was pretty much our only together bike adventure. <laughs> That was your only together bike adventure? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah. Curveball. I know. Okay. I think I want to pick that up in a little bit. Okay. How did he pass away? He... And when? Yeah. yeah. So in 2018, we found out he had cancer. So it was around... It was like Thanksgiving time the year before that. We were in Germany. He started getting pain in his lower abdomen. We had gone rock climbing the day before, and we assumed that he just did something and pulled a muscle or something because it was like a muscular feeling. It wasn't going away, and the pain wasn't. It was kind of getting worse, so he started going to his doctor, who was kind of like – it was a military doctor, so there's definitely like a formula they have to follow in terms of ordering – any imaging and stuff like that. Um, so oh, you're she, telling me the government moves slowly? Oh, I mean, you know what? That's one way to say it. <laughs> For sure. But, you know, oh, you're constipated. All this kind of stuff. And he's like, look, I'm definitely not. Um, so it wasn't until you could see that there was a lump coming out of his stomach that they finally ordered an MRI. Yeah. So MRI happened, I think it was end of December you have a huge tumor. Two weeks later, 
surgery. By the time they removed it, it was it had grown by like two centimeters. So it was nine centimeters by fourteen centimeters. The Where two, was it located? In his it was attached to his abdominal wall. Oh, is it abdominal wall? Okay. Yeah. I was just gonna say my dad passed away from pancreatic cancer. Oh, and so really? when you were like describing some of that stuff, it was extremely similar, similar to my dad's yeah. experience. Yeah. Totally. Sarcoma is weird because there's so many subtypes and they all kind of act in different ways, but they're all still categorized as sarcoma. But we were in Germany. He got it removed. We basically used Google Translate to figure out that he had cancer because we got like the medical, the documents based off of the pathology and stuff from the tumor and the surgery. And so we were like, we're pretty sure this is what it's saying. It was confirmed. We it ended up being confirmed that it was cancer. And then it was kind of like, well, crap, now what do we do? And it was, everything's sort of a blur, but it was really fast moving to move us from Germany for a year to Texas while he gets, while he got treatment. We left his, our cats, we left our, all of our stuff in Germany. We had a house there like our whole life and we just lived out of Because suitcases. of the urgency of yeah, care that totally. was needed? Yeah. So the surgery happened at the time, it was no evidence of disease. They thought they got everything, which I think they did. They did. They we, He went through chemo and radiation and still like, okay, by the end of that, like no evidence of disease. I'm making it sound like it, there was so much that happened during that time. Like chemo kept getting delayed. If you're not healthy enough, they don't let you do the next round of chemo. So there, there's all sorts of it was horrible. Like horrible stuff, essentially. Ton, yeah, Lots tons. of horrible, terrible stuff. Yeah. No horrible bad, as... very bad. Or no good, very bad things. Yeah, yeah. Basically, one after another, only bad. Um, but, okay, we finished the regimen. We are good to go back to Germany. We go back. And we go back in October, I think. His first checkup scan is December of that year. So they do it every three months. And it aligned with Christmas. So we're like, okay, we'll just come home for Christmas, get a scan, go back. And first scan, it had come back and it was in his lungs. So it had spread. And how much time had passed? Uh, only three months since he finished treatment. Whoa. Yeah. So it had only, it hadn't even been a year since he was diagnosed and it had returned and yeah, spread. So it was, it was aggressive. And meanwhile, we're getting all this testing done. They can't figure out even what type of sarcoma it is. Um, so even though there's, I think it's like 150 subtypes of sarcoma, like his didn't fall under any of them. <laughs> so he had an unclassified one. Oh, wow. So it was just like. So they didn't even know really no, how to treat it or totally anything. Totally not. Yeah. So what, did they give him a prognosis? Did they continue to treat him? They continued. Yeah. So then, then we get stuck. So we, we are there thinking we're going to be there for two weeks. So that's all we have is two weeks worth of stuff for Christmas. End up getting stuck there. Our cats are stuck overseas again. <laughs> um, but this time we know we're not going back. So like, anyways, the military had to move all of our stuff for us. Like people had to fly from Germany with our cats. It was a nightmare. But he went through, I mean, there were things to try. There was like different pills. He did, I think, three different clinical trials. Um, we got other opinions in New York. We've tried all sorts of diets and incense and whatever, supplements and um, the last thing he was doing was an immunotherapy, um, that didn't, that didn't do anything. So we never, not once did we get good news. Every single, every single scan showed something worse, every single one. So they never, they never 
gave us a prognosis. They were just trying to figure it out the whole time because they yeah, didn't know what it was. It's totally. like pancreatic cancer. They were like, you got six months. You know, they, yeah. they knew and they were right. They were right. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I, that, yeah. that is, I have a, a question for you. Yeah. That may be inappropriate no, for this it, podcast. But <laughs> anyway, um, I've always felt grateful that like I had that six months because I, I had the time to use that time to heal like kind of like start the healing process just know it's coming Be i mean i have a friend that like was going to lunch with his dad and like on the way that like they were in separate cars and his dad died on the way there and like you know he never got to say goodbye he never yeah. got to like have any kind of closure or know that it was coming do you feel a little bit like robbed of that or do you feel like you were able to gain some like closure for yourself along the process uh a little a little of both like in so many ways i'm grateful like i was always in denial but kyle always knew what was happening he could feel it like he was so strong and capable like i had said before and like when his body was failing him he was hyper aware of it like he can tell things were started being really like i can tell things are wrong um so he would try to start it was it was just like the most like amazing thing but he would like his focus became on if I was going to be okay in his last I would say maybe like six months like when he knew for sure yeah and he I mean he would have talks with me he tried to help me figure out like budgeting stuff like he left me letters that were like when the pets die, read this letter. Like if you have anxiety, read this letter. Wow. Yeah. Like what a stuff, special man. Yeah, totally. Which make it's like you do all these things to make me okay. Like I'm doing quotes right now, like that you're gone, but like that just shows how great you are and it makes me more sad. So stop, you know. That's so true. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I never would have thought about that. It's so I'm sorry, I, I'm throwing some tangents in here, but no, I've okay. I've thought about like leaving audio messages like when I pass, like mm -hmm. to my kids and like having yeah. them available. But yeah, that could be like a torturous memory. No, you should do it. Okay, I should do it. I think you should do it. It's okay. been like a real big blessing for sure. Has it? Yeah. So what is your um what's your current relationship with his death? Like how does his yeah, how does that relationship continue? I have a bet. Actually, actually, I wrote this down. Hold on. <laughs> okay. You posted this on Instagram. Oh, no. There are always reminders of what is gone, but I've been trying to focus on the gifts that Kyle has left behind. I've lost a version of myself. My sweet love lit a spark that set my soul on fire. Sorry, it's hard to... Uh, because of Kyle, this version of me will be okay. I teared up the first time. I got goosebumps. Same oh thing. So how has that fire that was lit, how does that fire manifest itself in your life? Yeah, I thought about that one. Ooh, wow. Um, wow that, that was a while ago, wasn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I just scroll. I was like, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
I just took a screenshot too. I don't even have the post, yeah. so I can't tell you yeah. what it was. I'm sorry. No, it's <laughs> I'm okay. not trying. I was like, I'm not trying to be coy. I just don't know. No, no. I think that that was. Um, I think that was might have been when I did the Great Divide. Okay. And I only bring up the Great Divide right now as an example of this. He, I, I said he had so much passion, like for everything, and he left that with me for sure. And I just think so much about how so many times people go through life without that passion and life is so fleeting. And I just think that it's so important to try to live really big as often as you can and as a, in as many ways as you can. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I've all, I'm, I don't say this, like pat myself on the back. I've always been like ambitious, but it's been more of like in a career space or like something, yes. you know, but I have this like bigger motivation now that he's gone and I've experienced his loss that I, I just want to take on these challenges that are like, that expose me to different types of people and show me what different types of life look like and like push me to my own personal, just like boundaries outside of what a, like a job is, you know, it just completely reframed what life looks like to me. And I just always, I always have these moments, like it's kind of happening right now where I'm like, if he had not died, I would not be doing whatever it is I'm doing right now. And what a gift that is. So even without him here, I'm like, look at the, look what he's giving me. Right. So, but that's taken time. And that's like, takes a lot of focus to think of it in that way. Cause it's also really easy to resent the fact. I mean, a lot of times I resent the fact that he's gone or I am bitter about it. But I think like the, one of the most, I guess, healing and healthy ways I can look at situations is to think like I'm live to feel good that I'm living. I was sparked by him to live in this big way. And I'm, I'm making sure that my life is different because his life had to be gone. Excellent answer. Oh, Nailed it. <laughs> wow. Nailed it. Okay. That was a big question. So yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> well, you, you, you posed the question and you're, you kind of like open the door to that question in your, in your Instagram. Don't put it out there, people. I'll oh, find it. <laughs> yeah, you'll find it. <laughs> um, so he passed away in January of 2022 or 2020. 2020, yeah. So it was almost two years to the, like almost to the day. I have a, a similar like process that I went through with my own dad's passing. And one like very simple takeaway was to, to, to start saying yes more, like saying mm -hmm. yes to life. And, and it was exactly that same thing. Like, and life wasn't money and it wasn't, cool cars because I thought it was like all these things before and when you realize the value of life if you when you realize like how precious it is and I think that like you can only gain that insight like when you I mean at least for me I'm maybe I'm not an empathic enough or anything but you know for me that was like dude you've got to live this life yeah you know yeah. and if that didn't happen I wouldn't be here right now you know like I have completely shifted my life i'm a completely different person yeah he passed away 12 years ago i may complete you wouldn't recognize me on almost any level you know and that was a gift of him passing away totally. and yeah i don't know i so that's what i wanted to say but you had to have your like heart i guess open to it being a gift right like i think a lot of people also 
can can close up and not not receive that potential change. I mean, people don't like change, right? Obviously, this isn't a change that I liked, (laughs) but like, there's nothing I could do about it. So the best you can do is like allow yourself to develop and change. For the good. For the good, yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to be affected for the bad inevitably by it, right? Absolutely. I mean, as humans, we have to kind of like look on the bright side of things or else we're just going to be miserable in our own (laughs) skin. And it doesn't, it doesn't do any honor to, you know, Kyle or my dad or anybody to, it it is very appropriate to mourn and to miss and to like, you know, yeah, just miss out on those feelings and those experiences and have those thoughts. But, you know, we also honor them by continuing to live and doing something really amazing with our lives and not settling, you know, and that's, that's a spark. That is a spark, you know, and it wouldn't have been there probably totally if it wasn't for, for that, you know, I will, I do kind of want just in the spirit of transparency, like, (laughs) Oh, sure. Anything could happen. right? (laughs) Um, I'm not just like fine. You know, yeah. I just want to be honest. Like I just started therapy. I've gone three times. Like I, it, I'm new to therapy because I think early on, especially because Kyle was so worried about if I was going to be okay, like in, in his death, I was like, well, I owe it to him to be okay then. Right. Um, so I was like for him being okay, trying to uh, convince myself that I was okay, but it was, I was still in shock. I was still, I mean, then COVID hit three months later. I didn't know how my life was actually different, like versus what's COVID and what's, what's going on, you know? And then I left and did the great divide. And then I'm like, I'm distracting myself like crazy. I don't know what the heck, I don't know what life actually looks like now. I just passed the two year mark of him being gone. And now I'm seeing like how my life is actually different. And what navigating different relationships actually feels like and what patterns do I fall into now? And like, what are my triggers and my, I have PTSD come to find out like from that experience. So I, yeah, I mean, it's not like, it's something that I have to actively remind myself to like recenter and try to redirect, you know, like I don't know. I just have to recenter sometimes and also allow myself to, to feel the negatives, right. And feel the sadness. Cause it, you're, you're lying to yourself if you're only seeing the good and what's going on, you know, <laughs> I texted that to my friend earlier today. Really? I said, when we're not honest with ourselves about our own shortcomings, we're doing ourselves and everybody else around us a, a disservice Yeah. because then we're not giving grace to other people for their shortcomings, yep. you know? And like, yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to address those things. And I appreciate your willingness and honesty to, to do that because like we do have a tendency as people to say everything is fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. And that's why I asked when he passed away, I I knew the answer, but you, you are still in the process of, of grieving. I mean, this was not very long ago. I mean, I got divorced, uh, about the same time, uh, you think went on the tour divide and uh, yeah, I'm still work. I mean, yeah, I was texting my friend about some of those wounds. Yeah, <laughs> That's one totally. of the things we were talking about. Like, I mean, we are people. We we the things that happen in our lives affect us, you know. Yeah. And like, you are a person in a relationship with a man that you loved, and you had a life, and you had goals and dreams, and all these things. 
And now you have to figure out who you are, yes. you know, without that. And it sounds like I'm going to take an assumption here. It sounds like maybe you've been keeping yourself busy and distracted and, and now you're like starting to settle into, okay, but who am I? Yeah, I mean, I'm still distracting myself big time. Well, yeah, you got to <laughs> do both. You got to balance busy. in life, you know? I know. I am definitely keeping myself very busy, but I do think that it's a little, like, I'm being more intentional and thinking like, okay, I'm really into bikes right now. Is that because Kyle was really into bikes or do I truly love them now? The answer is both, you know, <laughs> but that's okay. Like, you, everyone's introduced to us to everything some some way you know but yeah all right let's i think have we done a good job talking about kyle you think i think so yeah okay i think so i think i have a pretty good picture i'd like to talk about your tour divide um okay <laughs> uh, yeah i think if i understand he passed away in january of 2020 and by like july you were on the tour divide route yeah so <laughs> Hit on his. How the hell? <laughs> I know, right? I didn't even have a bike. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. So lead me in. Like, what happened? Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about you know, in knowing that your person's gonna die or whatever. The the lead up to kind of prepping the preparation, right? One of one of the good things about that was we were able to talk about how he wanted his ashes spread. And I am just like giving him all these awesome options. And I'm like, oh, I'll go to every single national park or I'll, you know. And he's just like, no, no. You like, like climb to the top of the most yeah. beautiful waterfall in the world <laughs> yeah. and like jump off yeah. and like swan dive with his ashes. <laughs> like, like you're not even far off. And, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and he's like, nah. And finally, I'm not. We watched uh, I Just Want to Ride. Lael's, uh-huh. uh that's it, right? I just want to ride. It's one of them. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. definitely a Lael one. She, yeah. Well, we watched that. He had already seen it like five billion times, but when he was sick, he wanted to watch it again, and he was like, "That's what I want you to do," because he had, that was a goal of his. He had started collecting bags and stuff to do the tour divide. Um, started getting some bike bags. Had a setup like a, a bike that was appropriate for it doesn't fit me but the bike bags work but uh so he yeah he was like that's how I want you to spread my ashes <laughs> and I want you to do it by yourself <laughs> so that's what happens I was like okay well I guess I'm getting to work <laughs> what uh what kind of state of mind was he in at the time <laughs> was it was this like you know like did you piss him off once and he was like I'm just gonna leave her with one little I got you like what was that no, where do you think I that think... came from what was he trying to introduce you to cycling like what that... you know what that could have been like the secret little right yeah it, maybe but... I don't know him I'm just <laughs> no maybe part but I think it's so crazy because I think that he knew without without maybe truly knowing that it was going to be a way for me to prove that I could do hard stuff alone because I had I mean we met when I was 19 and I didn't I mean he died when he was 27 and I was 26 so I didn't know who I was like I never had to be an adult by myself. Right. Mm -hmm. We got married super young. Like, I, I don't know. So I think that he, in his brain, he was like, this is just going to like throw you into it like hard, right? Like being alone and overcoming some stuff and yeah. learning 
how to rely on yourself. Yes. Doing hard things. Yes. Yeah. Powerful. That was that was completely what he wanted for sure. Do you know that? Did he express that to you, or do you, are you? He are would you, just be like, "I think you would love it, and I think you can do it." Like that's kind of all he would say. Yeah. But as it was happening, I was like, "This is why." You know, I was having these moments of like, "Okay." Okay. <laughs> so what what were your fears, thoughts? I mean, you know, he's passed away. Now you have his ashes and you have his mandate or his request. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, what were your, your thoughts and fears at that time? Um, it's funny because my, for two years, right? Like my, I was his caretaker. Like I quit, I had a job in advertising agency. I had to quit in Germany. I had to quit it, like became full-time his caretaker. Like, and with him dying like I just still craved like although that sounds horrible because I wouldn't want him to like rely on me but I I wanted to keep being able to do stuff for him so I took the funeral really seriously and that became a thing and then it kind of felt like fulfilling this wish to spread his ashes was like the last thing I could I could do for him so I it was like nothing else became a fear. Like I was not my, of course, my mom's like, oh my gosh, the animals and the people and the <laughs> weather and the whatever, you know, like everyone's a normal mom. Normal, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But none of that was a thing to me. Like I was only concerned that I wasn't going to be able to do the thing Kyle asked. There wasn't a specific thing that made me nervous. It was just like the act of not being able for some reason for it to finish was doing it in sections an option? So technically what ended up happening was I did it in two. Okay. Um, because, which I have to tell you, that like destroyed my heart bad. Okay. Well, well this is one of the questions. So well, we can get into it now. Oh. I do want to know, you know, essentially, because it looks like you were solo self-supported and it looks like also maybe there was like an RV there or something. Oh, no. Oh, okay. No. So I was completely self-supported. Okay. Um, the last... I just saw one picture where there was an RV in the my, background. I so was like, at the very end, oh, okay. I had people that would show up to like see me in different cities, but I wouldn't ride during that time. I would just hang out with them and then they would leave and then I would keep going. Oh, like you're on your journey and yeah, people yeah. would like hang out totally. with you and stuff. But like you were on a solo but journey. I, I wouldn't let, like I had friends that wanted to ride with me. Uh, I had people who wanted to drive alongside me. And I, I mean, I let his mom, I think two different days or two different times, like, meet me from one city because I was like I got to keep moving so she would like meet me at one town and then I would see her for dinner or wherever like if I could make it <laughs> to yeah. the next one but she that was as supported as it got and it happened a total of maybe three days or something and then at the end my sister picked me up like in New Mexico her and her husband picked me up in a van and they got there like two days before I finished <laughs> so that was it. yeah that's that's uh that's awesome i'm uh it's obvious that doing it by yourself was part of what you needed maybe all the process yeah, totally to, yeah i was like really insistent on that like really insistent on that um did you ever listen to the hal russell episode yes he he would not ride with anyone on the tour yes. to ride very often because he would always talk about he's out there to bury his Vietnam ghost. I have this like big time soft spot in my heart for him. I think that I just like understand his relationship to writing like so much um, in a way. I mean, 
I'm sure a lot of people, I know that a lot of people love and respect him. I'm not saying my, my appreciations on any other level, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, I, not everyone understands why sometimes that solo experience after a trauma, I was so fresh, like months after Kyle died with his ashes strapped to my bike. <laughs> yes. Like it was important for me to be there with Kyle, you know, and not making small talk with somebody else and not stopping. Like there were days that I just saw a flower that I liked and I would sit for two hours and look at it. You know, like it took me forever to get through it, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to be yeah. like that. Yeah. You were there. You were intentional. You had a, a different purpose. It had totally. nothing to do with going fast or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Circling back. So, I mean, what, what were, what were your fears? Like what, how did you train for this? Like, how <laughs> did you, yeah. Take me through that and all the way up to like, maybe, you know, how prepared you were feeling like on day one, like, you know, <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. because I don't know your cycling history, so oh, I, don't I don't know. Have any. Yeah, so well, that's why that's why I kind of learned by going in this. I didn't really know your cycling history at all. So, I mean, this began your journey oh, yeah. of like, you know, how mind blowing that you're like talking about imposter syndrome, <laughs> and you're like go from zero to the greatest off-road mountain bike route in the world. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. pretty yeah. epic shit. <laughs> Yeah. And you're like an emotional wreck at the time. <laughs> yeah. You're like emotionally fragile and, you know, you got your husband's ashes stashed on your bike. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just no. like blown away. I mean, it's funny because you're, you're, I know you don't mean it in this way, but you're saying it like I'm emotionally fragile as though it's like something that I beat the odds because I was emotionally fragile. But my emotional, my emotional state is what made me freaking get through it. Like it, it motivated me. Yes. You so, needed that. Yeah, I needed that. That was that fire. Yeah, it was the fire. Um, big time. That was the motivation. I mean, yeah. all that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So uh what was that experience like for you? I mean, uh on an, a personal emotional level, like what were those days like? What was it like to be alone with his memories and with his ashes? Thankfully I journaled a lot and I kind of started recently going back through it and I was like whoa, like I don't even remember thinking these things, right? And so I'm really glad that I did that. But there were so many moments, kind of like I touched on earlier, where I would like come around a corner or something and I would see a beautiful mountain or something. Cause like you're going through winding trees or something like that. And then you turn, so you don't really see anything beyond the trees. And then you have this opening and it's like a beautiful like landscape. And I would just start sobbing, like sobbing. Cause it would feel like it's one of those gifts, right? Like I'm in this moment right now. I would have never be, been seeing this mountain right now. Like he just sent me this mountain. Like that's what it felt like. Yeah. Like what a big gift, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I remember writing, like I'm alone, but I had never, I haven't been lonely. Like I'm, I'm technically solo right now, but I don't feel alone. That's exactly what Hal said. He says, I'm out here by myself, but I'm not alone. My ghosts are with me. Yes. That almost makes me It's cry. in his book. Yeah. I need to read that. I wrote that down after I listened to your episode. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's very weird. It. I felt actually less lonely. I feel, I feel more lonely in my day-to-day, -day, like busy however bajillion people live in San Antonio, like hustle and bustle. Everyone's doing a million things. I'm around a million people all the time. 
I, I feel more lonely in that situation than I did when I was out there. Actually, I'll, um, I also was on antidepressants and weaned myself off of them on the ride. Like I, I started like the week ahead of time because it's a, it's a process to get off of them. Yeah, I, I'm on an SSRI. Yeah, I've taken one for a long time for anxiety, yeah. Yeah, and I, I had tried before to get off and was bad, so I got back on. And I, yeah, I was able to come off of them on that ride, and I haven't been back on them. Whoa. Yeah. That's a that's a big breakthrough, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I'm not brave enough to try that. Maybe I'll go do the tour divide. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe that's was, a recipe. <laughs> my family was like, are you sure Like, you should do that when you're alone in the middle of nowhere? I mean, like, you're <laughs> like, messing with your psychology a little bit, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and you like, carry your husband's ashes on you still, I, so... <laughs> Yeah, it seemed <laughs> like if I was in your life, in your, your circle of friends, I would probably as a friend advise you not to do that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's your life. But I think knowing what I know about how those drugs impact your body and especially coming off of them, the I mean, I know people who, yeah, anyway, but it's yeah. not, it can be ugly. Totally. Um, but I, I don't know. I was just being on them. I just knew that they, they numbed me a lot and not only was I not feeling like depressed, I mean, obviously I was depressed, but not that like totally out of control upset. I also wasn't feeling ever that happy. And I was like, I need, this is a big deal experience. Even if I ever did the great divide again, right? Like this is the one time I'm spreading his ashes in his memory. It's my only first time doing it. Right. So I was like, I need to feel everything that I am supposed to feel right now, whether it sucks or whether it's great. I need to feel it. So it was really important to me to get off of them. Yeah, that makes total sense. I have a different relationship with SSRIs, but that's for a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did how did you pick the spots? Did um, he pre-designate places? No. All right. So how did how did you pick the spots? Um, I'm really. I, they would just like hit me either. So either. I would be like, this is rad. This is beautiful. Like, this is one of those gifts, whatever. Or it would be like, I just crossed into a new state or I just had a really shitty, scary night. Or like, sometimes it was like, this was horrible, but I got through it. So I would spread ashes there. Um, Just anything that felt like a big deal moment, which happened a lot (laughs) and randomly. How much, how much ashes do they give you? So many, and I still have so many more. Really? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out um, a way. I'm like, Kyle, you didn't. Do I do all of them on that? You know, do I do it again? <laughs> but um, I'm trying to figure out maybe ways to get maybe friends and family to be able to do some along the route. But anyways, it's a lot. So I had to... <laughs> I had to... I had a little feedback on my handlebars yeah. that I had Ziploc baggies with them in there um that's only a tiny fraction of how many ashes there are total and then like whenever people would come see me i would arrange for them to like bring me more because they're freaking heavy yeah (laughs) well that was actually one of my questions like how much were you carrying where were you carrying you answer that one and how much did it weigh like um, I, but it sounds like they were bringing them to you, so yeah, you were like kind of keeping the weight down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like maybe <laughs> it's such a weird topic. Oh, I just so, got a cramp. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is kind of weird, I guess. But like, I don't I mean, mind. I don't mind talking about it. It yeah. is the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, 
there were some there were some kind of funny moments. I had to make sure they didn't get wet, right? There's also like residue that would like there would still be powder in the bag. So I'm like, I would hold on to the bags until I could find a stream where I could like thoroughly wash them out because I felt bad even throwing the bags away. Like I was pretty mental about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there's like mo- <laughs> there were moments where I'd be like overlooking something beautiful and I would throw them out and then the wind would blow and they would smack me in the face, you know, <laughs> like, like what you see in movies. That's and a stuff. kiss. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they became a thing I had, to, but I did document all the coordinates of all the spots. You are good. You're like answering all my questions. Really? I don't even have to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> I was cu- Yeah. I'm curious, uh, you know, were they pre-designated or did you, feel it and then mark it yeah Did you write in your journal yeah that's kind of how it went i yeah i felt it and marked it how many times did you spread his ashes over the 2500 ish miles um that's a good question probably like 30 or 40 times so you probably had a range and a variety of experiences yeah i would assume yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <laughs> any other memorable ones Besides him smacking you in the face with a kiss? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so there there was a day that I, my one time getting, um, I got I got pretty lucky in terms of riding in bad weather. I had nights with bad weather, but my first day, or I was able to like um, see that the the bad weather was coming. So I was like, I'm not about to, I'll just post up and steamboat springs or something like until it passes why not right I, I, yeah I do, do. <laughs> yeah i'm like i want to like this you know yeah. um as much as i can enjoy this process i would like to <laughs> yeah because also like things are gonna suck like things are gonna feel uncomfortable they're not i don't i shouldn't say suck but things are gonna feel uncomfortable It'll be hard inevitably so like my experience wasn't to i mean i already was pushing myself and challenging myself but it wasn't to like race it or any, or or anything like that it was like to feel connected to kyle and if i'm trudging along in the rain and don't feel like i can stop when i want or whatever i'm missing out on that or feel like i can't spread his ashes or whatever like i'm missing out on that so it wasn't i would try to avoid it but there was one day there were a lot of fires happening so there was a reroute it was leaving steamboat springs and i can't remember remember the name of the road but it was going over rabbit ears pass and it starts to get kind of stormy and uh it's not even part of like the official route like it's a reroute because of a fire that was happening and i make this video and i'm like oh about to ride in the rain here i go you know (laughs) like have to make sure i keep his ashes dry like have protect my electronics and stuff i'm like I'm like trudging along. It's kind of an annoying climb. Get to the top. Like I'm like 30 feet from the top. Lightning hits. And I get the ground current from the lightning. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And it Oh, I bet you felt that. I felt it. Yeah. I felt Yeah. I felt it. Um, Jesus. That would scare the (laughs) shit out of me. It really, really did. I still a little bit get like my heart pounds. It gets all poundy. You know, like when I'm when I'm out 
out in the weather. Um, it definitely affected me. My, I ended up having to go to the ER. A car was like coming up behind me on the pass and saw it. And they're like pulled over and they're like, get in the car. <sighs> like that looked like it went through your body. And I was like, it didn't go through my body, but like, I feel it. My fingers were purple. Like my lips were purple. Wait, was your hair always red? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Knew it. <laughs> um, I had like reflective glasses um, and they had like black like crinkle like it had burned the reflective like material on the glasses it's pretty scary I had to, yeah they had to like do all these heart tests and stuff like that and the doctor was like if you weren't on your bike like saving you, your life was saved because you were on the bike and I was like because of rubber on the yeah, tires yeah because the tires so I went back Kyle my husband's mom she like came to see me I think it like aligned with fourth of July or something I don't I don't remember what weekend it was, to be honest with you, but she came to visit me and I had just, I was not far from that spot at that point. So she was like, let's go back and like, see if we could see where it hit. And so we went back and we were like trying to figure out exactly like if it was the ground or like this tree. But anyways, I spread ashes there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another good spot. Well, you almost died there. I know, so. so it seemed. Like I if, mean, she might have been almost like taking both your ashes back to that spot. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's like, all right, was it grand, grandma or was his mom you it said? It was his mom, His yeah. mom. So yeah, then then it would, the burden would go to her and she'd have totally, to continue yeah, the journey, yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> I know. It was pretty funny because like afterwards, I promise you I'm not making this up. For like two weeks, <laughs> I could feel whenever, because I continued riding and whenever it would like get stormy and getting into New Mexico, it's just like so many storms it's I've never seen so many thunderstorms it's pretty scary especially after that just happened so I would be able to tell like I could feel it in my fingers or like my toes that they would start tingling mm. whenever and I swear to you within like 30 minutes a, a big storm would come that was just getting off SSRIs <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Just with like you. this is the worst superpower to get from lightning is like tingly fingers. Are you kidding Ting me? <laughs> or riding your bike twenty five hundred miles. <laughs> I can't feel shit. It is. It's got to be hard to know. It's like I mean, you're experiencing something so um, foreign, you know, to your body, your mind, everything. It's got to be hard to know. Like you're like, is this normal? Am I supposed to feel like this? Totally. Totally. You did ask me about um, training. Dang, you were like really good. Yeah. So I I live in San Antonio. Yeah. Kyle died January. His funeral we did in March. Like it was like a week before COVID. Like everything shut down for COVID. I got a bike in March and started riding in August, I think, of 2020. Yeah, August, which is late. Um, especially if you're going to take your sweet time. So... <laughs> Anyway, so between March and August, I would just put rocks in my bike bags and ride around the flat sidewalks of San Antonio, yeah. which does not train you. <laughs> like No it, shit. It doesn't. There's no... No elevation, no hills. <laughs> exactly. I actually know the trails. My best friend, shout out Ryan, uh, he lives in San Antonio. Okay. And... Um, Whenever I have a free weekend, I go there very frequently. I like going there because of those trails, because I can like go hang out with him and there's the trails and you can just like, I can pop off and go ride wherever I want to. We have no infrastructure like that here. Oh. The infrastructure here is horrendous. 
And so it's nice to just be able to like hop on and go ride and not worry about cars yeah. and everything else. But does it train you for the tour to yeah, ride? Yeah, it doesn't. Not even a little bit. <laughs> that was the only, like the only training I had. How many miles were you putting in? The furthest I would go. I think the furthest I ever went was like 30 miles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I should have laughed. I'm, I'm just, I'm in shock. I'm in shock. Yeah. Okay. So this goes back to my original question is like, what was in your mind? Like how much research did you do I mean, to I was be like, like, were you scared? Like, what? I was like working. I was like, this is easy. Like 30 miles. This felt like nothing. I could do that a second time. It's fine. You know? And then I would like work out. I would do squats and like lift weights a little bit. Yeah, okay. And I was like, Psh, I'm I'm good, I think. <laughs> no, man, what, you're not good. What other kind of, uh, like, you know, before cycling, before this, were you active? Were you working out? Were you doing other things yeah. where you already had, like, an established fitness level? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, so you had some confidence with your fitness, maybe. Yeah, I've always prioritized working out. Yeah, so I was. I don't well, that, know. That's interesting, though. Honestly, you know, just people, like you know, listening, it's like the average person, like we were saying, I mean, not to call you average, but <laughs> I'm talking about what the distinction I'm trying to make is between somebody who has the time or money or whatever to train all the time. And yeah. that's all they do versus, you know, people who are burying their husband and having to work and like also yeah. like train and like, you know, you do stuff anyway. Yeah. But it's, totally. it's Which I don't impressive. want to discredit the people that are freaking crushing it, like do huge day. Like it's the, <laughs> the tour divide is what you make it right. Like if you look at it as I just am going to go 30 miles a day, which I went longer than that. But if you want, you can do 30 miles a day and make it eventually. Right. Or you can do hundred mile days and make it faster. Right. Like, yep. so you can do it. Just look at it as if you have the right motivation and you have the time, just look at it as like a bunch of little daily rides. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons why I thought your story was interesting because I'm all about showcasing the different ways to experience the outdoors, mm -hmm. the different opportunities that it provides people on so many different levels. Some people make a living doing it. Some people need it for you know, to spread their husband's ashes. Some yeah. people, you know, some people are chasing their Vietnam ghost and those are the important things to get out there. Those perspectives, those that opens up other people's ideas and their minds to wanting to go and unlock the outdoors in their own way. That's why I think, you know, stories like yours are, are important and you're not an imposter. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I will it. say like my, my lack of training really fucked me early on. Well, before you answer that one, what was your thought? Like, were you afraid going in? Were you nervous? Were you like, oh, I think I can do this? I remember talking to Kyle's brother, my brother-in-law, Dylan. I'm super, super close with him. He likes riding, so that was helpful because he kind of helped me, like, figure out what bike to even get and stuff. But I remember we had this conversation, and he was like, I just know with you that not doing it is not even an option. Like not finishing it mm -hmm. is just not even an option. You're so too stubborn. Yeah, I am so stubborn. So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to make it happen. I don't care how long it is. I work for myself. I don't want to work at all right now. Anyways, I am taking a break. I need to figure my shit out. And yeah. Kyle wanted me to do this so no one can say anything about it. Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. It's like I said earlier, there is a time and a place 
to be selfish yeah. and to take care of yourself. Totally. And we need to be okay with that. And we need to like allow ourselves the opportunity to do that. And that's what you were doing. Yeah. You're like I'm checking out. Yeah. Checking in me. I'm doing what I got to fucking do. Yeah. So as, as like oblivious as it probably was for me to be like, oh, I'll be fine. I also, there, w- there was like no reason I was going to not do it. I, I just knew I was going to make it happen. So I kind of just. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, obviously you don't know, but with everything I had, I was going to make it happen. So what kind of, um, like research, like in terms of like even the gear, like how, how concerned with you were with all that stuff and how prepared were you in that way going in? I, (laughs) 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 um, I, there's two ways to learn before or during. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, I did as, I, I actually did like read people's there's like a couple books of people who had done it and just how they broke up each day. And like they're online. You can find people's packing lists and there's YouTube videos. And, um, that's pretty much like what I did was just kind of dove into there's it. There's podcasts about bikepacking that don't fucking talk about gear. So of course, you know, I'm like trying to exactly, I'm like trying to kind of figure out what to pack and you know it's funny because some people like swear by certain items like oh if you're only gonna bring two things like make sure it's these two things and everybody has a different opinion about it so I packed I way overpacked at first way um my bike was like way too heavy I like it was as if I assumed I would never see water again and I had (laughs) to have enough water to make it the whole way I had a ridiculous amount of water on my bike when I started I had a freaking whole bag of bagels tied to my bike. I had like shoe covers. Like who need like what? They they work for like 10 minutes. Like why did I do- so anyways, I ended up quickly just like dumping stuff and then along the way I would get to towns and I would just send boxes home just like I don't need this shit. Like the way my bike looked day 1 and the way it looked later on is like completely different. Yeah. Yeah, you were learn I mean no matter how much research you do at home, you are going to only learn by actually doing it. What do I actually need? What doesn't work? What were, you know, all that stuff. Totally. So yeah, you, but you, you went in, you, you, you planned, yeah, you, I you, did. you put in the work, you knew what you were getting yourself into. You knew there would be bears and yeah, yeah. I mean, I've talked to people who have gone in who with I knew very there were animals. Research. I knew it was outside. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've been outside before. I've been outside. Okay. Yeah, that's I funny. Here's what I will say: if I would have had any mechanical issue, I would not have known how to fix it. Oh God, we'd be all fucked, all of us. <laughs> yeah, like if I got a flat, I don't even think I would have known how to fix it at the time. Oh wow, that like, deep? Nothing. Huh? Not deep. Were you running uh, like the uh, tubeless with yeah, the stuff? Yeah, I had okay. tubeless, but I had a spare. You know, the thing. Go ahead. That was it. I had a spare, <laughs> I had a spare tube. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, wheels and tires and stuff and all that sealant is really damn good. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I needed to use a tube and I should probably like replace the one on my bike because <laughs> yeah. it's been there so long. It's probably dry rotted <laughs> totally. at this point, you know, I know yeah. but I, they're pretty good. You, you can ride the whole tour divide and not, yeah, have a I flat. Mean, you've, so. you've heard it here, folks. And you bikes are it. good too. Like I don't, I don't fucking do hardly anything to my bike. I mean, I was pretty good about taking it into shops anytime I can to be like, 
make sure we're good because if something if i'm not good i won't know yeah. how, how to you fix it you should i mean it's on the route yeah, yeah. 100% like, get it dialed you're yeah. living on it you're, it's your it's, vehicle this is my house yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> like let's let's make sure it, does it need brake pads does <laughs> yeah. it need brake lines does totally. it i mean you're not worried about you don't you don't want to worry about that you know yeah i did have a period where my limit screws were messed up and my chain kept falling off like over and over and over again on a climb and i was getting very frustrated um that was like the worst the worst of it really yeah so uh speaking of the worst of it you said that your lack of training fucked you or yeah 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 <laughs> what, what how'd it go so early on i think it was like day two i started getting horrible knee pains horrible my it band on one of my knees was so inflamed i it got to the point where i couldn't even i couldn't bend or straighten my leg it was just like locked in this like sort of bent position and being stubborn and being like okay i'm two days into this thing that i'm not gonna not do i was like pedaling with one i would push so hard with my right foot and i freaking would just pedal with one leg for a while like a week and i would get into like a town and see if I can find a physical therapist to help me. <laughs> and I worked, yeah, I worked with physical and therapists a few times. I ended up finding on route. Yeah, you were you found a few physical therapists. Well, I found one um, in Montana. What an adventure! Yeah, oh yeah, I found one beginning. in Montana. But then somebody connected me with one that was in Vegas that we would FaceTime, and he would give me exercises and stuff to do. It was ridiculous. What? <laughs> Did they give you any explanation to why your leg was locking up like that? I think that I just had not like put the sh it under that stress before. Yeah. And it and then I went I went for it like day yeah. 1 I think I did like oh. I think I did like 65 miles and like 4000 feet of climbing on my That's first day answer. ever like, That's okay. And you were overloaded you yeah, said and I, Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the thing man I hear it so often every whether it's a race or even it's that those first moments you're so excited you go out too hard yep. whether it's being a race or whatever and um, yeah anyway so that's what happened Yeah it really screwed me I had to work with this physical therapist that slowed me for the beginning of the ride for sure um frustrating Was it frustrating were oh, you frustrated yeah. I was like in tears it was the most pathetic thing. It got to the point then, of course, my right leg that I'm using the whole time starts hurting. Exactly. And it got to like where both legs just hurt so bad. I would have to get off my bike by just kind of purposefully like falling onto the ground because I couldn't support like my weight with either leg. That's how like bad my legs were. Yeah, and I was like time. week one, right? I'm like, <laughs> wow, I really fucked myself on this. What am I doing? Like one time I was trying to cross a side. Like I got into a town and I was trying to go across a crosswalk with my bike and I was using it, like holding all of my weight in my arms, trying to cross this crosswalk. And I just fell in the middle of the road. I couldn't keep myself up. Like my knees were jacked. Um, I had to take a couple, like a, a couple weeks off. Wow. Yeah. And then I picked back up like where oh, I left cool. off, but I just chilled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're not racing. No, no, no. And, so, and you kind of need your body. Yeah. I was like, well, right now I'm focused on my knees and I want to be focused on what's around me. So how did you feel when you got back on? You took a couple of weeks off. Yeah. Did you go slower at the beginning? Um, I just had to do like, yeah, but then I, I would stop every, I had to stop every hour and do like knee maintenance stuff. 
anti-swelling exercises yeah okay yeah a lot of like anti-inflammatories and all sorts of stuff so that that's going to slow you down no matter what yeah um how many miles a day were you doing at that point um early on i also had like the completely like wrong tires they were like really fat and slow and like anyway i changed out my setup halfway through which really helped but early on um i think i was going after that that shit shitty long day long right 65 miles people are like that's not long (laughs) um but i was going maybe like y'all don't shame her for going (laughs) 65 miles (laughs) that was day one okay i didn't know um but 40 to 55 miles probably a day at first and then by the middle of it i was going like 70 i went one day i did 140 miles in one day that's it that's good but usually it was like 70 ish miles a day yeah i mean listen again you train in san antonio the furthest you rode was 30 miles (laughs) first day on the tour divide with a fully loaded bike yeah uh you did 65 yeah you know for you coming into it that's that's a big day i mean (laughs) 70 miles a day is a big day 140 miles when you're how many you know weeks into it you're like wait a second i'm getting stronger Mm -hmm. you know i mean that's that's gotta feel good to know that what started not great yeah you were able to hang in there and i mean you know 140 miles that's a big day yeah i felt pretty proud of myself a lot of people just because they love me and were concerned for me there were a lot of moments where there was reasons why i should probably stop but it's just not an option for me but i had people like Kyle wouldn't want you if you're in pain to keep riding or he would understand or whatever and I was like no I'm freaking doing this thing like Kyle was in pain right like and he had no choice you know I can freaking do this so and I was like I'm in pain but I'm like in the most beautiful place I've ever seen I can handle it so it's a good perspective yeah like it um easy one maybe not an easy one (laughs) easier than some of mine uh <laughs> what what was your uh your favorite and least favorite part of the tour divide that is not easy oh okay good <laughs> um when i told you it was going to be easy on the internet that was a lie yeah yeah <laughs> uh i'm trying to think of what a least favorite part would be and that's really hard because really? yeah it wasn't the time when you like were one-legging it for no, I, maybe that was but you, know, you fell down in a crosswalk because you were so jacked <laughs> but the thing is like that's that was the point right like it was supposed to be oh uh, it's supposed to be hard it was supposed to be hard you so, wanted to feel something yeah so i appreciate all of it so oh, wow. which i know kind of is like a cough out of an answer sort of maybe no, that's but, a great answer okay good well i really mean it i don't know i would say an ending <laughs> that was the worst part was when it was over <laughs> and a better answer um or i'll say this maybe when things were outside of my control but also still a learning experience still part of it but like things outside of my control would make me have to reroute Or, for example, like the weather, the snow um, that made me have to do it in two parts. So I got through Wyoming just about. I was almost finished with Wyoming, and it was the middle of October. And that is, like, no longer summer, right, in, like, Colorado. So um, a friend of mine in Wyoming was like, do you realize, like, the passes are covered in snow already in Colorado? Like, at the pace, like, you can't 
go. You can't. Right. It's not <laughs> um, possible. Yeah. And it's not safe. It doesn't make sense. Ask Sophie on. I don't know if you heard that yeah, episode. I, did, I mean, he, you know, you know, and you know, not a good idea. And that makes me, and I know that it's like completely different, like reasons that we're writing and stuff, but to hear other people like justify, like it didn't make sense. I just had to like have peace with letting this go yes. or with it not being in the way that I envisioned it. Um, That's it part just, of the growth of totally. it. Totally. Yeah. But it does pain me still. Cause I'm like, when people are like, how long did it take you? And I'm like, well, technically I did it in two parts because I picked it back up yeah. once the snow was over, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, through hikers do that all the time. I mean, these are long efforts and yeah, sometimes you just have to break them up, you know, yeah. but I don't, I don't think it, I don't know every again, and it's your experience and you can have whatever relationship you want to with it. <laughs> but for me, yeah, I, I'm like, I don't know. It was a different thing, you know, yeah. like you, you did whatever you did, what you could and needed to do. So maybe a better question is what was the most challenging part of the tour divide? <laughs> Cause it sounds like you had some challenges. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I actually uh, like that you take the time to think. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, um, yeah, people don't do that enough and I don't do that enough. You know, it's just so you just want to like jump in. Yeah. And, but if you can like, you know, like take a minute and think and like, I don't know, I, it's, it's a good approach. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. I appreciate that. Cause there is a little, like you're making me feel comfortable and like, it's not rushed, but, um, I, there's like a natural inclination to want to answer. You want to know, you want to know the answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We always want to know the fucking answer. We, we want to be the person. I know teacher. I know. I know. <laughs> totally. Um, I would say there definitely reaches a point where you are exhausted, whether you like it or not. Right. And so because you're physically exhausted, your mental gets a little bit exhausted as well. Obviously, like you get, it sometimes it's harder to get, to stay in the mindset that you're trying to tell yourself to stay in and to like roll with the punches as easily. It kind of gets to a point when, you know, you've had all, I had sort of a lot of, I, the longer you're on, a, on an adventure, the more opportunity to have some like ridiculous run-ins. Right. So like I'm, I had sort of a lot of things that, it kind of got to the point where people were like, it's not even surprising anymore that this crap is happening right now. Like scary or dangerous kind of, yeah, stuff? Yeah, some kind of like pretty sketchy stuff. Um, Involving people or animals? Yeah, both. Um, okay. But yeah, there was one really scary time with a guy in a place in Montana. Yeah. Um, there was a, a sketchy guy. It kind of became like the town effort to like get me out of there safely. It was bad because I started so late in the season that it was after like everyone was like, you're the last person of the season. Like no one's riding this late. Yeah. Um, so, so even people on the trail were cautioning you. Yeah. Like you the, know, the people strangers. of the towns yeah. and stuff. So yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. You obviously made the right decision. <laughs> yeah. You so, didn't have any other decision. Yeah. You really didn't. You know, <laughs> you, your stubbornness thought that maybe you did, but yeah. you really didn't. It, I don't, based on what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when you say like the most challenging part, I think it would be to like, when, when you overcome so much, which was the point, right? Like every day you're overcoming some hardship to some level because you're pushing yourself every day. But like when there's those like little added, just bad weather, sketchy guy, like 
a bear, uh, whatever, like anything, you kind of get to the point where it's like, am I just being stupid for still doing that? Like, do I need to stop? Is this the universe telling me like that you should probably not be doing this or it's hard to keep when you're beat down and exhausted. Like it, sometimes it is hard to keep your mental in the right spot for sure. The way you said that was really good. You know, like all those factors that you're having to consider. Yeah. That's, that's what bikepacking is, you know, and plus you were also, I feel like I keep saying it, but you know, I mean, <laughs> you know what you were doing. <laughs> you were burying his ashes all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it is, it is a very, I mean, I, I don't know anyone who's done that. And as a bike packer, but warning, if I ever get married or no, 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 I'm never getting married, but we're not getting into this. We're, this is not happening. Uh, what do we need to talk about here? Do you need, do you want to talk about something? Oh my gosh. We could talk. <laughs> I, my, my list of things to talk about is endless. Uh, I, I mean, it is kind of unfair. I just sit here and like ask people, like I'm asking you some actually pretty personal things and you haven't cried yet, which is impressive. I've got people to cry for way less. <laughs> no, I think I just talk about it so much. Like I, I think it's healthy it's too. So it doesn't, I mean, obviously it's sad and it affects me, but I, I'm I'm used to it. And talking about it, I would think helps. Yeah, totally. I think so. I get more worried if other people feel weird than like I don't feel right. weird. It doesn't make, I mean, I'm sad about it, but it doesn't make me sad to talk about it. I'm always thinking about it. So to be able to talk about it is like nice, but when I just don't want to make anyone feel bad. Well, you work out ideas when you talk to people the way I yeah. did whenever I was like, you know, earlier when I was like, oh, that was good. You know, it's like I, that wouldn't have happened if yeah. we weren't just sitting here talking, totally. you know, talking allows you the opportunity to like work through things. And I mentioned this on that, that episode, but it's it's really the core of why I got into podcasting is because I really value what conversations offer people, yeah. human beings. And we can take our experiences, you and I right here, and we can share it all mm. over the world. And mm. anybody can connect with it or take value or inspiration from it. It's just there. I like that idea, you know, and it just happens to be I'm a fucking bike nerd that loves bike packing. Yeah. And so I also this is just the people I want to talk to. Like, these are the people. These are the stories that I want to hear about, like, what motivated you or inspired you to go do one of the most challenging things that a human person can do and what was that experience like? Mm -hmm. And that leads me to my next question. What is the greatest lesson that you took away from your experience on the tour divide? Um, okay. I think I have, I have two, two things that I learned. We had, we've already touched on one of them, like the whole concept of kind of trying to view experiences as like a, a gift, right. That wouldn't be happening if I hadn't gone through loss, like just, just learning to put myself in that mindset that started happening on the great divide. So I don't know if I would have ever really started getting into that habit if I hadn't gone on that. Because you were experiencing so many gifts, like yeah. you talked about, like you're like this view is, is so a gift. So yeah. it kind of like led to that. Totally. Putting words in your mouth. No, I'm trying no. to like fill in the blanks. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I turn a corner and this is such I, you know, it's, it's raining, but look how pretty it is. Or like, I'm freezing cold, but I'm like, 
surrounded by flowers or whatever, whatever, like amazing emotional strength, like no mental, like um, and emotional strength. Yeah. I'd like to have, that's the hard thing to do is to be in hard places and hard situations and be like, no, I can still see the beauty. Yes. I can still appreciate this. Yes. That, that's one of the bigger things that I learned. And the other one is just like rolling with the punches. I mean, obviously like with Kyle getting sick, you had to learn, um, that things are outside of your control, right? Like everything was out of our control, but I I don't know. There was something about being on the ride and thinking like, it's just me, right? I'm in, it's only me. There's no other in my brain. I'm thinking there's no other factor, but what I make of this, right? But there still is, there's always something that could happen. I can't control that there's a random creepy guy like trying to get me in his van. I can't control that. You didn't have to say van. You could have said vehicle. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do have a van. Yeah, I'm sensitive. <laughs> he had a van too. It was yeah. a coincidence. Um, but you can't control if, it's, if it rains or that it snowed early or whatever. And I can't control that I couldn't take the the official route and that I had to get detoured. That bothered me in the moment. And I felt like I was cheating because I wasn't on the route that the people, that people race. Cause I had to detour because of a fire. Like it messed with my head so bad, but I had to, I had to really learn and accept like shit's out of your control. Right. And sometimes a lot of it. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe because I got detoured, like maybe I saw something that I wouldn't have seen, or maybe I avoided something that I would have ran into if I didn't. We like to think we know a lot more and have a lot more control over a lot of things than we actually do, you know. No control zero. Yeah, we don't, (laughs) you know, we are reacting a lot to things that are happening. And I think it's a wise perspective. What is your motivation now? You just did a clunker race. You just did some other 100 miles in Florida thing. I feel like you maybe aren't done. I I don't know, but um, so that tour divide experience ended and then what happened i couldn't get off my bike (laughs) good answer yeah okay um which bike i'm on now varies very much my favorite like my heart is definitely with bike packing still even though that's like the great divide is probably like the only true bike packing experience i have still it's only been two years like since i've started even looking at bicycles at all. Um, not even, yeah, I guess two years. Um, but I mean, I mountain bike as a hobby that kind of just is easy to do locally. But I think that what I love about riding of any kind, the most, like the act of riding is great. But what I love about it the most is like the healing properties that it has. It is so good for your body as long as your knees aren't jacked up. It's so good for your bodies physically, your body physically, but also you talk about it all the time. Like the mental, um, just like healing that it can do is crazy. But I've also learned that you can use it as a tool to almost give back like externally as well. So like, and I didn't realize that I was doing this but like I I used writing to give to Kyle right and then I just host co-hosted this clunker race and it was 
also it was also it was a memorial for him too it was like inspired by Kyle but it was a fundraiser for um a local foster house like we we donated to to um their sports program but yeah it was like important to me that it was like not just a way for me to make money like it was like a way for me to give and then so I'm just to fill in a little blank here like um, after you finished the tour divide, yeah. were other people inspired by what you did and, and things like someone presented you with this idea or, or was this clunker idea something that you're like, no, I want to keep doing this, but I want to give back. I, like, I want to honor him, but I also want to figure out a way to pay back, you know? Yeah. So I had no friends in San Antonio when I finished the divide, my sister and her husband were living with me right after Kyle died. Um, they moved away how to start their lives separate from me. I didn't really know anyone. The first group of people I got to know were local mountain bikers and they completely showed me a sense of community. Like I, and I just got so addicted to that feeling. So I started, most of them race. So I started going to local races and just supporting them. I don't have any interest in racing. Like I think I've probably made it pretty clear that like that's not my priority on a bike. <laughs> Even though everyone tries, I, I feel a lot of pressure to write. Everyone wants me to, but that's not that's where weird. I'm, it's not my zone. It's not what I want I out of it. I don't feel, that's weird because I don't feel any pressure. I don't like racing. Really? I host a race. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't ever get any shit about that. Oh, What's, I get shit constantly. Really? From who? Don't make me say. No, 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 no. I just, uh, <laughs> Not like who specifically? Is it just like random people? I'm start the, naming people. Is it just like random people on the internet? No, no. Like it's my like, friends. Oh, so it's like your friends that are like, okay, well, that's the difference. I don't have friends. <laughs> I have social media. It's a different no, thing. No. Uh, no, mostly my friends, but it's definitely like, I kind of feel like there's a little bit of a, if you don't race mountain bikes, do you even mountain bike? Oh, and you're speaking directly to mountain biking. Directly to mountain biking, which is like how I usually spend my time on a bike is is mountain biking, like in my days. I mean, in Texas, especially in a very urban, I know for a fact you have to drive like close to 50 minutes an hour to get out to like gravel roads and some like hills. Yeah. Um, In town, all you have is paved path and single track. So you're yeah. pretty much mountain biking. It's totally. just, it's just what you do. And I, I totally get it now. Um, yeah. I, I came into bikepacking through mountain biking, definitely got caught up in like the racing because it is a very core part of that culture. Yes. I mean, it's why the bikes are designed the way they are. It's yes. the branding. It's, I mean, it's, I'm not knocking it. That's just part of what mountain biking culture yes. currently is. And um, I don't remember exactly where I was going with that, but yeah, I stepped away into bikepacking and yeah, I have uh, the racing aspect of it isn't why I'm not there to go fast. There's yes. always something more important to me, Same. like looking at a flower, <laughs> I take pictures of them, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, you got to prioritize for me and I don't even like to ride with too much structure. Whenever I leave my house or whatever, I just, I just throw whatever, uh, some shit on a bike and I just start riding and I just see how I feel and I just go wherever I want to go. Totally. You know, like I don't, 
I don't like the aspect. I went into complete opposite amount of biking because <laughs> that pressure, I would get anxiety around yeah. like doing races and I would, I mean, it was, it, it just, I wasn't having fun. It totally. sucked the fun out of it. And that, and so, yeah, now it's for me, I'm just trying to have fun, man. Yeah. I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm glad you're saying this stuff because it's going to, I'm going to about to bring it all back up. Like basically what you're saying. Um, Your turn. <laughs> so I don't race, but I'm like pretty involved. Just, I go to all the races. I love to, my friends are so into it. So I just want to support them. And I was wanting to do some sort of like foundation. So, so Kyle always wanted to adopt a kid, but that obviously did not happen. So he had like a soft spot for like foster kids and kids that needed adopting. I wanted to do some sort of like foundation or something like in his name that can be like an annual thing or I don't know, just like a fundraising platform. And it just occurred to me that I should do something clunkers related, which I will explain why. So Kyle was obsessed with clunkers, like big time. When I was saying like in college, our, our apartment was full of bikes. They were like old vintage steel bikes, like frames and parts. Describe what a clunker is. Well, what a clunker, <laughs> okay. The clunk, clunkers were the original mountain bikes. It was basically in the late seventies was like the first time. I mean, people rode bikes fast down hills, but it was the first time anyone timed um, having like a steel bike with like sort of knobby tires going down like a dirt path. Um, so the way we categorized it was like coaster brakes. Cool. They eventually like, it didn't take long for them to start transitioning away from coaster brakes and they were still considered clunkers. Yeah. Um, but for the sake of just sticking to the roots of it, we, we categorized it as having um, coaster brakes and a fully rigid bike. So no suspension or anything. Yeah, very um, cool. Yeah, which was like so, so much fun to do. But he was, obs Kyle was obsessed with clunkers. He had like the Fat Tire Flyer book that Charlie Kelly ha uh, wrote um, he knew he could tell you the history of mountain biking, like every detail. Like when I said he was really passionate that I'm That's telling cool. you. So that was a really easy segue into that idea, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it was such a cool idea. I mean, Thanks. such a cool event. Thank you have you. no idea. Um, my buddy Maxwell that introduced me to you. Yeah. He uh, he told me he was going and I was uh, headed out of town. Actually, I think I was going to San Antonio. Oh. I'm pretty Almost actually, I know I was going to San Antonio. Oh no! Yeah, um, but I was just hanging out with my buddy, and yeah, just I was like, man, I I need a I need a weekend. Um, anyway, I I wish I I had the FOMO is what I'm trying to say. You, I had you the should FOMO, have FOMO, and I will be there. Will there be a next year? Um, please. Yeah, yeah, there will be. Um, <laughs> I think it's gonna get bigger and badder let me tell you that that's what i'm talking about bigger and badder <laughs> yeah bigger and badder yeah, and more and more yeah. um yeah i can kind of tell you some ideas for that um but so i i want to say like the way that it kind of happened was i was kind of brainstorming like oh i think i should do a clunker race i don't really know what it would look like but it's something i'm going to start thinking about there's um, a race organizer um team trail party the guy who runs it is jeremiah work amazing amazing human he just heard about my idea and that i wanted to do it to memorialize kyle and that i wanted to donate the proceeds he approached me at the end of one of his races and was like i heard about your idea 
I want to make it happen. I want it to be in the way that Kyle would like it. I don't want any money from it. I want the proceeds to go to where you want it. Like, let's do it. And so I'm like, okay, whoa. So put it out there. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So, um, I put together like a proposal of like what I envisioned it looking like just so he like knew how serious I was, I was going to be about it. And he was like, this looks awesome. I'm thinking we're going to work it into like the fall race series or like 2023. And I think it was like February. He's like, okay, we have a date, April. <laughs> so I'm like, Holy shit. Oh my God. So we went into like game mode, right? So we had to get everything. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of work. I had to like not take actual work projects on for a bit yeah. to kind of um, make I, it I happen. Have some relation to that. I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the origin of it. Wow. Yeah. You just go all in. But yeah. I mean, when given an opportunity like that, what are you going to do? Totally. Say no? Yeah. Be like, hey, if you're in, I'm in, you know, like, let's make this shit happen. Totally. And, you know, from a fan of cycling and the history of the sport, I really appreciated how like authentic it was right like these are real clunkers coaster <laughs> yeah. brakes rigid yeah. the you know people on the bikes are dressed the right way you know yeah. we didn't talk about where it's hosted and probably the significance of that yeah so spider mountain um is in burnett texas it's a bike park and it's just it's a really popular bike venue um downhill venue here in texas and i'm gonna say i think it's the most popular but that could just be me making that up i don't know in texas true. yeah oh it's definitely in you texas think so? okay yeah. okay i think so but i think I it's i mean we don't have that many i think it's the only bike park but in terms of i mean there's other pe places people like to ride but i think it's the most popular oh you know i've been out of the mountain bike scene like i don't go mountain biking hardly at all yeah um so I really don't, yeah, I just don't know. Bike packing takes up too much time. Like, <laughs> it, it does take up yeah, time. <laughs> it's like what I've, I'm like, okay, this is my niche and there's a lot going on. Totally. And so I've just, it's not that I hate mountain bikers or anything. No, I just, no. <laughs> there's so much I don't get to see because I'm just always doing my own. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, so what was cool though, is we did it on the fire road. Like we were, like you said, we were trying to make it really authentic. That was really important to me. So like all the marketing was like seventies kind of retro themed. And we like put out a, a request for people to like come in, in cost costume, I guess, like dress retro. Yeah, right. Um, so we did like a spirit award, but it was funny because people inter interpreted that in their own ways. Like we had people, one girl dressed like evil Knievel, like, we had people that looked like they were straight out of the seventies. And then some people who were just like goofy and little booty, sh like zebra booty shorts. Like it was really silly. Um, um, so we need to plug Maxwell's photos because that's what turned me on yes. to you. First of all, I'm a huge, uh, fan of Maxwell's work. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, and, and of Maxwell's a person. He's, he's awesome. I, lo I love you, Maxwell. <laughs> Those and photos look like they were taken like you can't tell them apart from the photos from no, the No, they're so authentic. They're so the good. The dirt is flying. The costumes are on point. It's so and good. The the what the art of his photo photography, I thought, was like because of the way I don't know they look. Even like the costumes, even ones that like weren't authentic to maybe the seventies. It's like no, we're partying on a bike. We're getting wild yes. on a bike. We're yes. getting on you know weird shitty bikes and going down gnarly shit. You yes. know, it's like. And that's what it all, I was like, 
fuck. That's when I was like, God <laughs> yeah. damn it, I should have been there. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I have to say, like, I was hoping, I mean, I thought it was going to be fun and I was hoping it would be cool and a big deal, but I have to give such a shout out to like the, I mean, more than just Texan, Texas bike scene came out, but the Texas bike scene, they freaking rock. Like people totally were like, okay, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do this. Like I knew no one that had a bike that worked for this race that qualified as a clunker. Like people started building clunkers, going on group clunker rides leading up to it. Like people, people organized, um, like group costumes. So there was like a whole series of people with like flannels and like boxes of beer strapped to the back of their bike. <laughs> I saw, yeah, that was yeah. great. <laughs> um, like so creative. I mean, some people like were goofy with it and got like little kid, like coaster brake bikes, like little girl with like baskets on oh, the front. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. but whatever, like, people really embraced it in a way that like they did not have to do. They, most of people, I, I learned that most mountain bikers don't know anything about the history of mountain biking. They don't really care. It's something they don't think about. Yeah, They could have just brushed it off, but they embraced it and made it a good time. Big time. I have some thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I host my own, I've, I've like created routes and I have my own race and stuff. And, I've been blown away by the response from the community, how bought in they are, yeah. like how invested, how like their energy, their positivity. I'm just like, that's the greatest, one of the greatest moments of my life is like, I've only done it twice, but it, it, it it's left an impression on yeah. me. It's like, you feel like you're giving, I don't know, you're, you're receiving so much. You're, I mean, so much like, I don't know energy like all these things i'm talking about but the reason part of that i think is because we're kind of starved for events here in texas like yeah. um especially like alternative type events you know like totally. we have very structured and, and there's i mean those are great communities and we have like great mountain bike communities and organizations and i've been to all those and there's a lot of great cycling that does happen in texas but what we don't have is very many of those like alternative type events that we do see around and yeah. so man i tell you if you build it in texas they will come maxwell's been building uh routes in texas and i mean they've so well received you know yeah. like there's good stuff i've ragged on texas so much but me there too. is a lot of good stuff <laughs> i know me too and now i'm like eating my words i'm like dang these people really show yeah. up and people come from out of state and they're like, man, this is not like, yeah. I mean, Texas can be a little boring scenically and like it gets hot and stuff, but I'm just talking about from like, you know, people and interacting with people and stuff. They're like, wow, this is, this is nice. Y'all totally. are like nice here. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, they're just so supportive. I was just, I was so grateful. We also like, ha I had Charlie Kelly come out. I don't know if. It sounds familiar, but you'll have to. So Charlie Kelly is one of, is considered one of the four founding fathers of mountain biking. Okay. So he hosted the first ever mountain bike race. Like him and Gary Fisher built the first ever mountain bikes. Like, um, the whole concept of them, like the first, instead of like a brand they they were just branded as like mountain bikes, like, cause they didn't even exist yet. So then it, whatever, then 
things blew up and now there's a million different types of mountain bikes and stuff. No, I know um, the story. I didn't, I didn't put the name there, but yeah, yeah. the brand was mountain bike. Yeah. 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 That was the brand was yeah. mountain bike. Before it was is, a category. But, hey, that's what, yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So he was one of the four founding fathers of it. I think he's pretty much credited with like hosting the rate, like first race. Like he was the guy who timed it and everything, but yeah. So he came out and bringing that energy into, so, so I reached out to him originally because just going back, like I had wanted it to be really authentic. So I reached out and was like, look, I'm doing this clunker thing. Do you mind if I just like send you stuff while I prep to make sure I'm staying like consistent with where the, the roots were, you know? And I just want to make sure everything aligns. And I said, and meanwhile, he's like 77. I have no idea if he's even going to read my email. And I'm like, but also like, I'll buy you a ticket if you want to come watch. Yeah. So he got back to me like pretty immediately and was like, you didn't have anything I'm, going on. Yeah. He's like, I'm uh, interested. And he was like, by the way, I'm a good speaker. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> like what's happening. So he, yeah, he like came and he spoke a little bit and he announced, um, like the winners of the clunker race and he signed so much, like he, he signed shirts. He signed, we got a couple, um, clunkers from state bicycle company. They donated a few to raffle off and which was amazing. And so he, Charlie signed those and it was pretty amazing. It sounds incredible. Like I mean, a, a truly incredible event from, yeah, the riders, the community to, and that's, I mean, I've seen, I've been in the benefactor of some of this is, you know, the cycling community will really like back you up, they you will, know, and yeah. like, and, 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 and I'm extending that to, to companies and the, I yeah. think you said the guy that had the bike shop that helped you and, totally. you know, um, Charlie Kelly, who, I mean, I don't know where he lives, but he's in California. He's in California. (laughs) Goddamn dude flew from California at 77, offering his time to lend to your experience and your Mm -hmm. event. Yeah. What? I know. It's crazy. It's man. And that's what, I mean, that's what's been bothering me about all this shit talking that's been going on on the internet, you know, (laughs) is because I just, I've always felt like this community was better than that, you know? Same. Yeah. You know? And like, we, I don't know. I feel like on so many levels we do so well. And I think we'll get this one. I think we got it. But I think it'll go. Yeah. I think we got it. Did you have anything else to say about the clunker? So, um, yeah. So we're here's where I'm at. I haven't officially had a meeting with Jeremiah from Team Trail Party. So I am a little I I don't think he will care if I'm just dreaming right now this with podcast. you. Yeah. I, hey Jeremiah. I'm asking you as a friend. <laughs> cool if we do this i'll sign uh, something <laughs> i'm thinking so a few things i'm pretty sure it could and should exist as a weekend experience there's so much that could be happening around it um we did a one-time race down the fire road like a, a one time down down the fire road and that was like the extent of it i mean we had clunker booths and people signing stuff and like a, a merge tent and stuff but we could do different race lines i think we could do like skidding competitions because that's like big and clunking because the, with the coaster breaks oh yeah you're you're speaking my language yeah you're skidding i'm you're going dusting. yeah so i think i'm already building a clunker in my head while you're <laughs> yes, talking you like are. i'm planning my outfit like it's going <laughs> yeah. down so i will i'm i mean i am so into this like racing does not appeal to me mm-hmm 
you like this yeah is my fucking jam yeah i want in well you know what i love about this it was yeah it was technically a race right like technically technically like yes. we timed people yeah but the feedback i have gotten since that race which i'm i really hope it doesn't seem like i'm putting down other racing experiences but so. was that it was the the their be- favorite race they've ever been to and it, it was part of like team trail party so team trail party was hosting a downhill series it was a three-part downhill series and we just added like the clunker division as like an extension of that race. So yeah. people were there for the downhill race anyways. So it was part of like the normal race, but the only thing that was different was our clunk was the clunker experience. And people said it was their favorite race they've ever been to. I've they've said like they had been getting burnt out on right on racing um, and that this made it fun. And like, when is it going to be next year? And and all of that. And I think that what's so fun about it is when you go back to being on a clunker on coat, right. We, we were talking about everything's all about the gear and like, there's always a faster and more efficient part, right. Or like carbon fiber, everything like electric, electric shifting, like all of that, you know, like there's always like a cooler, faster mountain biking thing. When you're on clunkers, with coaster brakes and no suspension, everyone kind of goes back to like an even playing field. And it kind of just like makes you focus on like the spirit of just like dicking around with your friends, to be <laughs> honest. And 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 then throwing in the like the spirit award aspect, people were just like, it, instead of being against each other, they started like working together on being creative with their outfits, like looking for parts to build clunkers. Like it just kind of was like a little bit refreshing. I think people didn't realize they needed. um, I think this is something people needed that they didn't realize they needed. Just like a a breath of fresh air. Absolutely. I think, I think you nailed it exactly. Congratulations. Thank you. And also thank you for, um, giving that gift to our community you know Uh, it's uh it's pretty i mean i'm i'm excited i'm (laughs) glad that you're gonna keep keep doing it yeah i have i definitely have people on board like charlie is like i'm patching i'm passing the torch oh it's gonna happen to you like keep it alive and i'm like oh god you know like (laughs) this is so stressful um but there's connections with like the marin museum of bikes um in california that kind of has like all the the history of mountain biking laid out. Um, there, there's some cool networking that could be made, could be had to make it kind of a, a, a fun experience. And then I've had a few people from other states ask if I could bring it to them. So there's a, there's so many options, but I don't know where it's yeah, going. Yeah, I think you're onto <laughs> something. Uh, congratulations for real. I want to circle back to a little bit earlier in the conversation when we were talking about you know where you're at now and. You know, so you've done these two events. What's next for you? I mean, like in your own like personal journey. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Great answer. You're like, I'm just trying to figure my shit out, man. (laughs) Help me. Um, I I don't know. I think that the clunker thing took off in a way that I didn't expect. So that's like a potential little door that's gonna be a part of my future for sure i just don't know the extent of it i'm gonna stay on my bike i keep on signing up for stuff like i just finished this um it was from baltimore to the florida keys like relay style bike ride um and that was a fundraiser for 
young adults with cancer. So I think that I think that like what I'm really drawn to is yeah, I like ride mountain bikes in my you know as a hobby, but I I like always need something on my agenda where I'm doing something like really powerful through the bike. So kind of those carrots, those nuggets. Yeah, yeah. So I I need to. I don't have anything that I'm signed up for right now. Bike ride like bike well, you just related. got off one can, i just got off one so. you just start seeing a therapist uh, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> maybe she'll tell you where to go she'll or she t- or he or she <laughs> yeah exactly so um i don't know that's why i'm going to a therapist is because i don't know what i'm doing okay? <laughs> good answer i think more people should have that perspective everybody's always like too quick to like to say they know everything no. or have like and the reality is like so much of what's happened in everyone's life is stuff that they didn't you couldn't plan for like I couldn't I don't know I'm just kind of rolling with it you know <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I'm definitely rolling with it <laughs> I mean I have no idea what I'm doing like who's steering this fucking ship you know what I'm saying like all I this is all I do and I'm just like okay well I'll just roll with it yeah and I just keep rolling with it and <laughs> I don't know it just doesn't stop I guess yeah but that, that's I mean that's life yeah that's right in the tour divide you just keep just Whatever it is, and 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 working on yourself is is it's just an ongoing process. Like, yeah. I, I've given up all these grandiose ideas I had when I was fifteen about this perfect. I don't know. I don't think I was having those grand ideas, <laughs> but you know, you have this like idea. You're like, oh, I don't know. My life is going to be this way, and I'm going to be this way, and I'm going to have these values. At least that's kind of stuff I would think about. <laughs> I'd write them down, and uh, and I now realize life is is messy. Life is unpredictable. Life is short and life is big. Life is big. There's a lot of amazing experience and opportunities that is, is out there for everybody. And it doesn't matter what level that you're accessing them by or through, just get out there and ride your damn bike, you know? Thank you for coming on the podcast. This is crazy. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. All right, everybody, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you again to Jerry for coming on and sharing this story, this powerful story and message and everything that you have learned through your own personal personal hardships and uh, working through the pain and the loss of your late husband. It's very inspirational, and I wish you all of the best on your continued journey in this crazy world we call life. All right, well, listen... I am just getting back from Arkansas. I was up there uh, taking some pictures mostly of the the Ozark Gravel Doom, uh, the first race that's been held on that route. I mostly went to take pictures and test out my fancy new camera, uh, but knowing me, I'm always on the lookout for the next guest. And while I was on route taking pictures, I was waiting for Jacob Luce or Laos to pass me so I could get a few shots of him before the sun set on day three. Or was it day two? I don't know. It was nighttime. <laughs> I didn't quite make it. Uh, he, uh, he got to me right after the sunset. Uh, but it was interesting because I was media and he was on route and he was i believe in second place at the time riding a single speed doing very well but when he ran into me he wasn't doing well and for the 30 minutes prior to running into me he had been contemplating whether or not he was going to continue the race he had already talked to the race director he had talked to his partner his wife and uh 
it was just a very, uh, it was an interesting and a timely interaction based on the current, you know, overall topic of, of media and coverage of these types of bikepacking races. So uh, that will not be the main topic of next week's episode, but it just happens that I was on course. It happens that we had that interaction. Um, by all accounts, uh, I talked to Andrew Onermaw, I've talked to Jacob, I've talked to myself about it. We all feel good about the way everything was handled. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit on next week's episode. But mostly we just want to hear Jacob's story. He trained his ass off. And what I'm super interested in hearing is how, you know, he went from I am pulling the plug. I am walking away. I am calling it a day. I've had enough to finishing the doom route. But not only just finishing, he completed it in second place overall, and in doing so, set a new single-speed FKT. I don't know about you, but for me, I want to hear what happened, what went through his mind, and how he processed all of that. And that is next week's episode. Thanks again for being here. If you like what you hear, don't be shy to sign up to support these episodes over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death and lest you forget it's now time to go ride your damn bike it was the middle of the night you grabbed your knife and you held it tight the sounds of beasts kept you awake the sounds they made kept you afraid in the morning you packed your bike memories forgotten from the previous night than ever before was it your imagination or merely folklore fear turned into strength as you pushed further every pedal stroke stronger and firmer your bike feels weightless your legs aren't tired you think to yourself just a few more miles Bikes, oh, death, bikes, oh, death.